All right, if you have your Bibles, go to Jonah chapter 3, and we're going to continue talking about a fish story. And I hope you all are excited. Anybody watch the game yesterday? Well, I know we have three Alabama fans in here. Okay, anybody else Alabama fans? Well, we'll be giving an altar call here shortly. Feel free to, to come forward, okay? I know you all in the back row back there like the roll tide, but Tennessee almost beat them. Now, that's a fish story, right? I did get a little upset about the game. Um, anybody watch it besides me? Quite a few? Okay. Well, we'll talk about it later. I don't know. Anyways, got a funny story for you. I showed this to Pastor Greg, and he thought it was funny. It says, during a Sunday school lesson, a child learned about how God created human beings. The child became especially focused when the teacher explained how Eve was created from Adam's ribs. Later in the week, the boy's mother saw him lying down on the floor, so she asked him what was wrong. His reply was priceless. Mom, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm getting a wife. (laughs) Jonah chapter 3 is where we're going to come back to uh, today and continue on in Pastor Greg's fish story. And so we've learned that God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, right? He told Jonah, go to Nineveh, tell him, hey, you're doing things bad, wrath's coming, Um, I'm not pleased with it, and Jonah did what? He went the other way. So we learned that Jonah ends up on a ship, headed toward Tarsus, and the wind and the sea and everything became a big storm, and they began to say, okay, everybody cry out, pray to your gods, and And so they end up coming to Jonah, and they say, Jonah, what are you doing? You need to pray, and he ends up saying, yeah, it's my fault. I'm the one that needs to go overboard, and so they end up throwing him overboard, and Jonah gets tossed into the sea, gets swallowed by a big fish, as the Bible says, and then he spends, what, three days in the belly of the fish, and ends up crying out to God, and the fish spits him out upon dry land in... Nineveh, where he was supposed to go all along. Okay, now we're at chapter 3 when he is uh, whale vomit on, on dry shore. That's where we're going to pick up. All right, y'all ready? Let's do this. Jonah chapter 3, 10 verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. That means on the inside, it was a three-day journey. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, And he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. 
Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So today's message, and Daniel, I may need your help again because this thing keeps going off. Um, today's message is talking about perfecting preparations, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about. Go ahead and go to the next slide there, Keely. I'm going to pose a question here, and I want you to read it and really think about this in your own life. Have you ever wondered what trial, temptation, journey, battle, mission, challenges, blessing, ministry, relationship, rest, or you fill in the blank, God is preparing you for? Okay, I want you to really think about that. Have you ever wondered in your own life? What blank, and you fill in the blank there, God is preparing you for right now. And that's going to kind of be the direction that we're going with this message. Think about that. Ponder on that a second. The trials, the tribulations, the blessings God's given you in your life, what's he preparing you for? What's he equipping you to do? As a believer... A follower of Jesus Christ, if you had said, if you have said, God, you you have my life, forgive me of my sins, I'm following you, and you have surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ and have been forgiven of your sins, you belong to God. If you've not done that, if you've not surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, you don't belong to God. So I'm talking to the people that do belong to Jesus right now. If, if you belong to Christ and you are a follower of his, what's God doing in your life right now? Maybe you got bad news from the doctor this past week or two weeks ago. Man, maybe you've run into financial situations. Maybe your marriage is broken. Maybe your kids are rebellious. And what, what is God doing in your life right now? What's he preparing you for? Think about that. Ponder on that a second. First point is, as believers, our compass is always pointing to Christ. Amen? So the first point, and I want to talk about God perfecting and preparing us is that we have to have a direction. Okay? Remember, I'm talking to those that belong to Christ. Those that have surrendered their heart to Jesus Christ. That's who I'm talking to right now. If you are a child of God, your direction, your compass is stated and sealed to Jesus Christ. Amen? Aren't you thankful? So if our direction is pointed to God, okay, and that is our main goal, is to be more like Christ, 
God has put that into foundation in the process as a believer that God is shaping me, He's molding me, and He's making me more like Jesus. Then the question is, what is God doing in my life right now? What is God preparing me for? Well, the answer is to be more like Christ. That is our direction. That's what Jonah failed to realize and had a hard time doing and understanding. He was told by God to go to Nineveh, and he went the other way. He was told to go and tell them what God was going to do to them. That was what he was instructed by the man upstairs who sits on the throne. That's what God told Jonah to do. And Jonah said, I'm not going there. It's not going to happen. He chose to go a different direction. Whether he was scared of Nineveh, whether he was scared of the people in Nineveh, whether he was afraid that they were going to make fun of him or kill him because this was a big city and they had a bunch of violence going on and that uh, they were very wicked. Maybe he thought that he was better than they were. I don't know. But whatever it was, he changed the direction that God had told him to go. And he wound up being part of a fish story in the belly of a whale and God refocusing his compass back onto him. Anybody else been there in their life? Maybe we've not been swallowed up by a whale in physical form, but maybe life has swallowed us up a bunch and we come out looking like vomit and with guts all over us and nastiness. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Cheryl's the only one. Chris, all right. Thank you. Dinah, all right. Anybody else? Everybody else is self-righteous. All right. Thank you. All right. Y'all must be uh, Alabama fans. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love y'all. Steve, Tanya, Haley, I love y'all. I know you do. <laughs> Our compass is always pointing to God. That's the direction. That's the direction we need to go. That's the direction we're supposed to go. And that was the direction that Jonah was supposed to go, was where the arrow was pointing. And he chose to go a different way. So first and foremost, in perfecting our preparation to be more like Christ, in God perfecting us and preparing us as Christians, it's very clear that we are all pointed to be more like Jesus. He was without sin and lived his life pleasing to God, who was his Father, as we should. I want to read to you a little bit of what David Jeremiah's uh, commentary says in here in my Bible because it's really long and I didn't feel like typing it out so I figured I'd read it. It says, Archaeology has shown that ancient Nineveh was indeed a great city in terms of its size and scope. The capital of the Assyrians, 
It housed anywhere from 120,000 inhabitants to nearly 600,000 and was perhaps the world's largest metropolis, metropolis in Jonah's time. When the French archaeologist Austin Henry Laird unearthed the city of Nineveh, he found the city's hub to be one mile in width and two and a half miles in length. Its metropolitan area, however, stretched up and down the Tigris River for more than 20 miles. The outward perimeter of the city, which included other suburbs, was determined to be more than 60 miles in length. The 60-mile wall around the city was estimated to be 100 feet tall. In addition to this wall, there were 1,500 towers that were 200 feet in height. As great as the city was, however, its people, the Assyrians, were equally, equally cruel and wicked. These idol worshippers were especially wicked towards the Israelites. All of Israel hated the Assyrians for their cruel, barbaric ways. The armies of the Assyrians often skinned their captives alive, removed tongues, gouged out eyes, and mutilated the populations of entire cities by driving over people with chariots affixed with iron spikes. They also burned children alive and committed other atrocities that were designed to terrorize their adversaries and make them submit. Kind of see the reluctancy of Jonah there, don't you? Yeah. But no matter, not to condone his behavior and agree with it, he was told to go do something. And God had fixed his compass upon himself, being God, and told him to do something. And Jonah went the other way. In making us more like Christ, God is glorified. When salvation, forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love, and other fruits are displayed to us by God, or when we display those to others. Think of the fruits of the Spirit. This is how Christ lived. By actively showing his love for humanity. And showing grace and love daily. Even to the death of the cross. God was glorified. Salvation was brought to you and I. Death was defeated. And we can now be reconciled back to God. All because Jesus followed the direction that God had laid for his life and submitted himself to be the payment for sin's curse. Even in the Old Testament, prior to Christ coming to earth, God still desired to be united with humanity. God laid the directions for sacrifices to be given over and offered up. You remember the book of Leviticus, and if you don't, you can go back in the Old Testament, and it talks about how the sacrifices were to be done, and the uh, specifications was to be laid out in the high priest, and this was supposed to go here, and only this and that, and if it was not as God intended it to be, it meant for nothing. But he, he allowed the animals to be offered as a payment, so people could be clean from their sins. And Jonah was to go tell the people of Nineveh that God wanted their selfish direction to be changed back to him. So the first point in God preparing us is that we have to have our direction. If you're not a child of God this morning, now I'm talking to you, 
If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and never been forgiven of your sins, okay, now I'm talking to you. The good news is you can be. Amen? For those that are children of God, we've been there. We were there. We're no different than you are. We're not better than you. The only thing is, is that we have staked our foundation in trusting God as our Lord and Savior. And that's it. God has forgiven us of our sins, and we say, I belong to Jesus. I'm going to live as best I can with God's help to be just like Christ. That's it. That's the difference. That's it. We still have the same trials, the same temptations. We still have the same battles as you do. We just struggle. We have a hard time. But we put our belief and our trust in God. And this morning, you can belong to Jesus Christ just like we do. It's no specific prayer. It's not a specific ceremony. It's you recognizing that you need Jesus. And understanding that that cross that used to be there, it's back there. Y'all remember the cross, right? Okay, imagine it's up there. The cross that used to be there was for you and for I, and for me, for I, for me. It's for you and I. And he did that so that we could be part of his family once again. That we could be just like he is. And one day live with him for all eternity. So when you come to, that rec- uh, to recognize that. And you come to understand that the cross of Jesus Christ. And Jesus laying down his life. Dying on the cross. Shedding his blood. Being laid in the tomb. And three days later rose again. Resurrected. Conquering death, hell, and a grave. That was for you. That was for me. To say, hey God, I need you. Please forgive me. I want to serve you. I want you to be my Lord. I'm going to live as your word tells me to live. I'm going to struggle, but God, you're there. You'll never leave me. And I'm going to trust in you. I belong to you. And God's right there to say, come on home, child. I've been waiting the whole time for you. Amen? Amen? That's a good thing, ain't it? So those that have not put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, you can. You can. You can do that today. Nobody's going to pressure you. Nobody's going to point you out. We're here to welcome you to the family of God. That's it. That's what this is about. You and I come together to worship our risen Savior and to help each other along life's way to be more like him. That's what this is all about. And that's the message message that Jonah was told to go tell Nineveh. That God is on the throne, and God is displeased with the way that you're living. Come back to the Father. Come back. Go back. Change your direction. The second point we have a direction, now we have a path, okay? We have a path. Go to the next slide there. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, 
yet he was without sin. That was our model. That is our model, and that is who we look to, Jesus Christ. He is our high priest, our advocate, our sacrifice, and our risen king. Amen? He is who we aspire to be. God will never let us walk alone along our path. Okay, so we have a direction. Our compass, as a child of God, our compass is pointed to who? Christ, to God, exactly. Our compass, that is the way, that is the ticket home, okay? Our compass always points north. It's kind of like going back to Peter Pan, you know, second start of the right and straight on till morning, okay? I love that movie, if you can't tell. It's always pointing north or wherever, up, down. It's always pointed at Jesus. That's our direction. But our path to get there is specifically specifically set out by God himself. Okay? Follow me along this, along this rabbit trail. You ready? Our direction is set. Our lives are different. God may take you on a path that he might not take me on a path. But that path is there that God can take us down or we can choose our own path to go down in life. Following me? Are we on the same path? Or are we lost? All right, let's do this one more time. Our direction sealed as a child of God. Our path is set out for that God wants us to walk on. He wants you to do this in life. He wants me to do this in life. He wants you to encounter this person. He wants me to encounter this person. Our lives are different. Our paths may be different. Okay? God wants to take us down a specific path as a believer, as a follower of His. But at any time, we can start to make our own path. The direction never changed for Jonah. His path did. He was told by God to do something. Okay? His direction was set on God. He was a prophet of God. But his path changed. God wanted him to go to Nineveh, and he routed that GPS. Just like you and I can do every single day. God may lay it on our heart to talk to somebody, pray for somebody, whatever. And we say, no, not right now. There's a different path, right? Okay. Now our direction is still pointed at Christ. But now, maybe we're going the opposite way. Compass is fixed. And now God has to reroute us back around. Okay? All to make us end up like Jesus. Okay? Everybody tracking along? It's pretty confusing. I know I'm from Pound. Um, Don't hold that against me, okay? I'm just kidding. I really am from Pound. I'm not kidding about that. But... God will never leave us alone on the path that we choose. If we choose to walk his path that he has laid out for our life, or we choose to follow our own path, which is totally contradictory to the word of God, meaning God has a path for us, we detail that and start doing our own thing. God's not going to abandon us. 
but there may be consequences along that, that route, okay? There may be a fish ready to swallow you up. Making sense? There might be a wilderness to wander in for 40 years, okay? There might be a prophet that calls you out because you committed adultery and murder like King David. God will never leave us alone on our path that we choose, whether it's his path or our own, as, as he's preparing us to be more like him. But there's consequences on our own path. Y'all agree with that? All right, good. We're on the same page. I imagine paths that have sharp rocks, holes, briars. And listen to this. I kind of come up with this. A lion's den like Daniel. An ark like Noah. In slavery like Moses and the Israelites. A huge giant like Goliath. These are paths that God set out. A fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To a mountain with your child like who? Abraham. Exiled to an island like John. Crucified upside down like Peter. In prison like who? Paul. And some of you may be on a path just like the Bible has told us about. Even when we choose our own paths to walk, here's our own paths. Hiding from God in the garden, like who? Adam and Eve. Stealing from your brother, like Jacob. Wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, like Moses and the children of Israel. In adultery, like King David and murder. Denying, like who? Peter. God does not take part in our sin but he desires to turn us back to him. Amen. Our compass is fixed. God has a specific route for us to take. That route may be tough that he's laid out for us. Read through the Bible. Some of these people that served God adamantly lived hard, faith-based, trusting God lives. But it's worth it because it was all to mold them and bring them back to just how God created them. He made man in his image and us, we disobeyed, we rebelled. Adam and Eve chose their own path. But did God leave them alone in the garden? No. He didn't approve of their sin, but what did he do? Kicked them out, there's the consequence. But the Bible says he made them clothes to cover their nakedness. That's the God that we serve. He doesn't condone it. He doesn't approve of it because he can have no part in it. But his love and his grace and his mercy for you and I will never, ever change because he wants our path 
and our direction to come right back to him. Amen. And it's all for his glory. Because when someone accepts and becomes a child of God, guess who gets glorified? He does. His son's sacrifice on a cross and his death and his resurrection was not done in vain. It was worth it to the Father. And it was worth it to the Son. And it was worth it to the Spirit. For the Son to be hung on a cross between heaven and earth and to die and to give himself as a sacrifice, it was worth it because the, God, because the Father God was glorified. And when Jesus rose from the grave and he conquered death, sin, and the grave, the Father was glorified. Amen? And when you and I change our path and our compass is focused right on the Father, I'm getting ready to preach right now, and when our focus is focused, our focus is focused, when our compass is set on the Father and our path comes right in to where God wants us to be, who's glorified? Amen. And that's our whole goal, to be more like Christ and to glorify the Father. Amen? That's what Jesus did. God had called Jonah to be the prophet to tell the message. He didn't volunteer, but God chose him to walk the path. Even when Jonah went the wrong way, God still delivered him from his disobedience and continued to change his attitude. You'll learn about that next week with Pastor Greg. God cared as much for the people as Nineveh, the people of Nineveh. I have a hard time reading sometimes. God cared as much for the people of Nineveh as he did Jonah in bringing them back into godliness. One of the hardest things for you and I to deal with in life is trying to answer, God, why am I dealing with this? Ever asked that question before? God, why am I doing this? And it's not like we ask it because I'm better than this or I'm self-entitled or I shouldn't be going through this because, you know, they should be. I just don't deserve it. It's more like, God, I don't understand this. You know, have you ever been there as a, as a follower of Jesus? Okay. That's one, one, it's not the only, it's one of the hardest questions to answer. You know, God is trying to, to find out some understanding of what God's doing. And trying to gain, you know, some type of sense, logic, reasoning, earthly thought process Try to put some roots into it of what, of, about what God is doing in our lives. You know, why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this difficulty at work? Or why am I dealing with this coworker? Why is this happening in my church? You know, why the preacher said something the wrong way. He, you know, he's talking about Alabama and that we need to repent. And it just rubbed me the wrong way. And he needs to apologize publicly and give me a big old hug, and because he's a Tennessee fan, and he said that they should have beat Alabama last night, and it just hurt my feelings. Why am I dealing with this? Why am I dealing with this at school, teenagers? You know, why is, why is my friends being mean? Why am I dealing with a bully? Why, God, are you allowing me to deal with this sickness? I remember as a kid... Uh, 
growing up, my grandfather, who we just lost uh, a couple weeks ago, I remember, you know, watching him. We was raised on the farm over there. And I think him and Nana kidnapped us from mom and dad a lot. And uh, they would call, or I don't think we had cell phones back then. They wouldn't text or email, but they would call and be like, hey, meet us here, or they'd come over and get us. And they lived in Abingdon, and me and Daniel and Christina would go over there for summers and summers and sometimes snow weeks and Chris, you know, not Christmas, but Christmas breaks and stuff like that. We would go over and we'd spend all kinds of time on the farm. And I think it was really because they wanted me to be there. Not so much Daniel and Christina, but just me. And ask them that and they'll tell you it's true. Okay. Because Nana always made me pancakes and that was my favorite. And she could care less about what they wanted, but just me because I'm the baby grandson. So I was the favorite. Yeah, see? And we spent a lot of time there. And I remember as a kid, I mean, I don't know. I'm taking a guess here. I was probably seven, eight, nine, ten. Papa, he, you know, had a farm. And that's all he knew to do was work. And he loved to work. He loved to ride his tractor. He loved to uh, feed cows, horses, pigs, um, chickens, dogs, anything outdoors he loved you know he didn't hunt but I mean he just loved to work on his farm he put up fencing and I mean as a kid I used to love going over there and Daniel Christina did too it's where I learned to drive a tractor taught me how to run a backhoe how to farm how to plow the garden how to walk behind and pick up potatoes as he plowed and got to ride the tractor Um, how to do manual labor how to work um, how to love God, how to love your family. And that's Papa. That was what he taught. And I remember specifically as a kid, you know, him taking the tire off his tractor or putting up a fence post or building a barn. I remember him beginning to shake. And, you know, it, it started in his hands. And he would hold tools and ratchets, socket wrenches, and you know, be trying to hammer something, and, and his hand would just, they would just start to shake. And I remember that very, very clearly. And what used to take him, you know, a couple of hours turned into days, you know, trying to take something apart, and he would just keep shaking. But he never quit, you know. He he was right back at it the next morning, and, you know, would just keep shaking. And then his posture began to kind of be a little, slumped and then his balance started coming off and he'd stand up to walk and he would have to take you know it's like he was running trying to catch his balance because the doctors finally realized it was Parkinson's disease and his life was you know little by little changing and I wondered you know God what what are you doing you know, my, my grandfather, he's a pastor of a church. He's a good man. He's a hard worker. He loves you. Um, what are you doing in his life? You know, why why is he going through this? You know, I'm sitting there watching my papa struggle. And then it kind of hit me, well, you know, God's getting glory out of his life. 
even out of his ailment, out of his sickness, out of his hard work and determination, God was still getting glory out of Papaw's life. Because the harder that his life was seen to be working against him, you know, his body was just kind of starting to dwindle. His muscles and his tightness and his back and his neck, he would still stand behind the pulpit and sway back and forth and still preach the Word of God. And that was my papaw. He loved God. He would come in on lunch breaks and he would sit down on the couch and I'd be ready to take a nap and he would open the word of God. And even if he just stood for five minutes, he stood for the glory of God. He trusted in God for his life. And as, as his posture began to change and his feet and his legs, and he would stand, and he would just hold on, and, and it was heartbreaking for us to watch him, but I know it was heartbreaking for him because, you know, they had to start hiding tools, and, and because they, he would just get up on ladders and chainsaws and skill, skill saws and stuff, and we didn't want to get hurt. Man, he was so determined. He was not going to let this defeat his life. He lived 25 years with Parkinson's disease and preached the Word of God with it. He loved people and he loved the Father. His compass was focused on the Father. And he knew, he knew his belief, his faith, and his trust was in God. And that God was taking him and molding him into the image of Christ. Through the pain, through the toughness, through the onset of the illness, the disease, through the hard work, through the shaking, through the exhaustion, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Everything that he went through, he knew that God was doing it for his glory and for Papa's good. And he kept his path and his direction focused on the Father. And on September 29th, Papa's path and Papa's direction finally came to an end at the feet of Jesus. And that's your and I goal. It's our goal. And that's what gets us through hard times. And that's what gets us to come here and to share and to testify of the goodness of God. And to sing praises and to stand on God's word is that one day our direction our path that we're on will we'll end all at the feet of our Savior. And he'll give us a crown and he'll, you know, give it to us and 
it'll have all the things that we've done for his glory and, and we'll take that crown off and we'll say, it's you. It's all about you, Jesus. You are the risen Savior. You know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And that was the good news that Jonah was told to tell Nineveh. Was that God wanted them back. To come back on course. Here's our last one. The destination ends. In the place God prepared. Our perfecting preparation that God is doing in our lives as followers of him. Is his He's preparing us into his son, into the image of him, into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, perfecting us, molding us, shaping us, all to live with him one day in the place that he's prepared. He'll give us a new body, one that won't grow old, one that won't be diseased, because this body is worn out. And he's making all things new. And we'll live and we'll reign with him forever. And our compass and our path is focused on him. Our direction's clear. The path you're on may be hard. But our destination's prepared. John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus told his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul told the church of Corinth in Second Corinthians, he said, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the, heaven, in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we're always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We're confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Our final rest will be in heaven with God to live and reign with Him for all eternity. Isn't that good? Are you ready to go? So here's the question one more time. Have you ever wondered what trial, temptation, journey, battle, mission, challenges, blessing, ministry, relationship, rest, or whatever you want to put in that blank, God is preparing you for? What's he preparing you for? The best advice I can give you, and here's some assurance as a fellow believer, is to remember that the direction 
that God has laid in our lives is on Him. It always comes back to the Father. He is shaping and molding us into Jesus and preparing us to walk in Him. So here's life application. Here's the big idea, question of the day. Here you go. If you find yourself struggling, go ahead, Keely. If you find yourself struggling in a hard place, going through life, in a battle, just on the path that you're on, maybe there's sharp rocks, there's holes, there's briars, ask yourself and pray this prayer. Lord, how can I fail if it is your success taking my next step. Lord, how can I fail if it is your success taking my next step? As we close our eyes and we start to think about it, they're going to play a song. And this is your time. This is our time as a group of people not to judge not to look down but to encourage and to welcome you if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ we're here to welcome you to the family it's a coming home party coming back to where God wanted you all along as they begin to play Lydia go ahead and play that song and um, turn the volume up. Try that. Might work. This is your time. If you are a child of God and you've been struggling in life and you've hit a hard patch, God's never left you. And He won't. He's right there. And this is why this is special. And this is why this is great as, as a body of believers. Is we're, we're there to help you because we've probably been there ourselves. And we can share some experience. We can pray over you. We can write your name in our prayer journal. We can put it on our hand, whatever. And just lift you up in our quiet time. That, that's what this is about. Because whether you're a believer in Christ, and you belong to Him, or whether you don't, the love of the Father, the mercy, and the grace of the Father never changes. It never changed for Nineveh, and it never changed for Jonah. Two separate lives. People were wicked, Jonah was disobedient, but God still loved them the same. And both found themselves in a position that God wanted their focus and their path to come back to Him. Lord, how can I fail if it's your success that's taken my very next step?